<laughs> Welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, some dancing, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. It has gotten cold in most parts of the country, at least at night and in the morning hours, even if you're still enjoying somewhat warm days wherever you may live. And that means running with wet hair after the morning shower to the bus station will work no more. It's cold and flu season, and many of us have already had an encounter with it this fall. Mark, I myself included, cold and flu care, heal yourself naturally. Our topic in this hour with a lovely guest who will dive with us into the world of natural remedies so that you are best equipped for this cold and flu season. We host Helga Helberg. Mark Mulcahy. And Sitarani Palomar. And for those of you who are not watching us on TalkStream Network, you missed Helga's little breakdown dance during our opening intro. Just a little <laughs> you groove. better visit TalkStreamNetwork.com to, <laughs> to see Helga's groove skills. Yes. I thought he had fleas. An organic conversation, <laughs> um, organicconversation.com for a list of all the stations where this show airs. Also on iTunes, and you can follow us on facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation, and now in its second month on TalkStream Network as a video podcast. Yes, for my little grooves and Mark's produce shirts. <laughs> there you go. We're quite a pair. <clears throat> quite and a you pair. are wearing pairs today. How clever. <laughs> it's quite so a pair clever. there, Mark. Well, from taking care of ourselves, which is today's topic, to taking care of others, in particular, animals, which we love to talk about on this show. Mm -hmm. wanted to bring up a, a topic that we covered a, about uh, two months ago, Animals in Captivity, where we had the, the film Blackfish on as a topic, Blackfish about, about what was happening in SeaWorld with the killer whales being held in captivity. That, <clears throat> that documentary, Blackfish, actually aired on CNN, on October 24th, which is wonderful to hear that it got a really great audience. After our on, show. After <laughs> they heard it on an organic conversation and then CNN, and CNN was like, decided we should, we should, it's too hot. They are on it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And CNN. the following day after it aired on CNN, it became one of the, the writers, one of the authors for CNN's webpage. They have a, they have a parent category where they put relevant articles that, that would be things that parents would read. They covered how this documentary had impacted them. Mm. And the author herself, what she was saying is, I went home to my husband and I said, our trip to SeaWorld with the kids is indefinitely postponed. Because this is a really powerful discussion that raises a lot of controversial questions. And you may not know exactly where you stand on the issue. And so it was interesting to see the dialogue that followed after this. There were parents talking about taking their kids to see animals and, and what was the benefit of exposing them to animals and are we, are we using these sites to help protect endangered species or to re rehabilitate animals that have been injured? And these are all really valid questions. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just happy to see that there's a dialogue going. I also would love to just remind people, if you did not listen to that interview we did back, um, it aired in September, the episode was called Blackfish, and we had... Dr. Jeffrey Ventry, who is in the movie. Trainer, he, is, yes. he is a former SeaWorld trainer. He's now an advocate with Voices of the Orcas. And he is, um, I can't remember exactly what his medical practice is, but it has to do with physiology and movement and that kind of thing. So anyway, he covered all of these different angles about protecting animals who need to be re rehabilitated and the endangered species and animals for education versus animals for entertainment. So it was a really <clears throat> thought-provoking discussion. And I love that we revisit this topic regularly because it is so important. And he acknowledged the importance of exposing children and any human being to animals and the idea of rehabilitation and, you know, if, if, if those SeaWorld parks could be sanctuaries for, um, for, for animals that were injured, but do, having them do kind of artificial tricks and held in a pen that allows no life or happiness for the animal is just simply wrong. And, yeah, very great episode, very, very good angle on, on all aspects of why people would, you know, see an orca, and rightfully so. It's, a, it's an amazing creature, but having that in a swimming pool size... Um, most of his life, that's not the right thing to do. 
Well, and this topic keeps coming up for us. I mean, one of the reasons this, this was the reason that I wouldn't take my daughters to those types of parks. Um, but we, I took them out on whale watches or we went out to different places and tried to see as much in the natural world as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because now this is all coming up because even further back, we had a show on the non-human rights project, right? Mm-hmm. And that's nonhumanrights.org if you'd like to look into that organization. And, and their basic premise is to create legal rights for what we call things. Which, legally, what, yeah, legally what, what, what's what, determined what, as things. What, what we legally mm-hmm. determine as things to give things, things like elephants and whales and different animals basic rights of without living without bodily harm or, you know, being fed well or those types of things. And so they're creating legal precedents mm-hmm. all over the country, state by state. And I was just looking at their website the other day, and now they have a map up where you can press on your state and see what the laws are for your state around how animals are treated and also if there's any uh, future um, legal uh, process that, that, is in, that is in place right now that people are looking at. So if you want to get kind of updated on that, tying into exactly what you're saying, go to nonhumanrightsproject.org and they can get you caught up there too. And probably give you some good action steps on how you can communicate with your representatives mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to help help yeah. the country know how you feel about animals in captivity for also entertainment. Also completely timely, um, there is a Thanksgiving parade coming up in New York City organized by Macy's every year, um, well-known Thanksgiving parade. And SeaWorld has a float there, um, very timely too. The release of Blackfish, it's called a Sea of Surprises, and surprises they are getting. It's a 27-foot uh, float featuring an array of colorful sea sculptures and a giant helium-filled uh, killer whale twirling uh, above the roll of ocean waves. Um, all that you can find at PETA.org, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA.org. If you want to um, help uh, express your concern about that kind of education, quote unquote, or, or celebrating an orca that in reality at SeaWorld, again, lives in a swimming pool sized tank uh, without his compadres, a very social creature in nature, uh, in isolation, basically, all his life for 20, 30 years. So um, there is a petition now that can be signed against that SeaWorld float. So, you know, you might want to watch, listen to the episode, watch Blackfish, the movie um, that might still be in movie theaters around the country near you. And then um, go to PETA.org if you are concerned about that SeaWorld float at the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade in New York City coming up. And PETA had a really interesting list about how you can... um, Again, take action to make your preferences known about how you would like animals treated in your community. Things that you can say to your zoos, things you can say to your representatives. It was very specific, and that's what I liked about it, instead of being a very theoretical blog. And we will make sure to get a link to that on our blog as well. On yeah, facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Okay. And I'm Sita Rani Balamar. Our topic today is cold and flu care. Cold and flu care. Heal yourself naturally. And before we dive into the topic, as we do every week, we look at the world of health and beauty through Sita's eyes. Here's Sita Rani Palomar, a.k.a. Chef Sita, and her holistic bite. Well, today I'm going to dive into a little bit more of the well-being angle of my holistic bite. And I want to talk about the benefits of meditation and how you can get started. So I'm going to invite my two fellow co-hosts here, Helga and Mark, and any of the listeners who are in a safe place to do this with me to an exercise. Very short. So start by closing your eyes and taking a deep breath. And as you breathe, feel the movement of the air coming in your nostrils and out of your nostrils and anchor yourself to that and know what it feels like, know what the temperature, know what the, the um, humidity is of this air that's circulating around your nose. So while you're breathing, check in with your other senses. Check in with what, what does the room feel like? What do you hear moving around you? These are the things you want to key into when you're meditating because it's so very easy to think about 
all kinds of things that were on your mind before you started this practice. And while you're thinking about those things, you're forgetting that you're in this moment where you're feeling the temperature of the air around you and you're listening to the sounds and you're experiencing the breath. And these thoughts can take you right out of this very calming, very centering exercise. So think of your mind like a river and think of the thoughts that want to come into your mind like leaves falling into the river. They're going to happen and you don't want to try and stop them. You just don't want to be attached to them. See them fall into that river and float away and continue to breathe and recognize that you are here now. You're nowhere else. You're here. This is the only place you need to be. This is the only thing you need to do. And this is meditation. And this is a powerful tool because we are coming into the holidays, which is such a busy time where we can be distracted by all of the things that we need to get done, all of our responsibilities. But by taking some time to meditate, you are going to reap remarkable benefits that make everything around you more enjoyable. Meditation helps to calm your nervous system. And for me, it slows everything down. And when I first started meditating, actually, I did a, did a if, you're, if you're still breathing, please feel free to continue breathing. Otherwise, just remember this moment and we can move on to the other parts of this holistic bite. But when I did a 40 days of yoga, meditation, and mindfulness retreat with Pete Guinoso, who we've had on the show before, he did our, our yoga, demystifying yoga episode a couple of years ago. We had to meditate every day as part of this retreat. And it started by the first week beginning with five minutes of meditation in the morning and five minutes of meditation in the evening. And then in the second week, you went to 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes in the evening. And then 15 minutes all the way up to 30 minutes, 30 minutes twice a day of meditation. And my logical brain looked at what was being asked of me and thought, where in the world do I have an hour to take out of my day so I can sit and meditate? But I was committed and I did it. And what I found was even though from the outside it looks like you're sacrificing an hour of your day, what you're doing is you're giving yourself an opportunity to calm down, to slow down, and to be present to what is true for you. And from that place, which usually stays with you the whole day if you take 30 minutes, even five minutes before you start your day to do this, every decision that you're going to be called to do, you can do more peacefully and more promptly. So you actually have a net positive gain on productivity, even though you took an hour to meditate. So this holiday season, I invite you to the present moment for five minutes a day and see if that makes you have a happier, more memorable holiday. And that was this week's edition of my organic holistic bite. <laughs> <laughs> um, we lost Mark the halfway through. No, no, no. <laughs> very no, lovely no. to watch very you. Nice. I was, was watching the leaves move away and my thoughts <laughs> go by and all that. No, I was right, I was right there with you. Um, it's interesting because, as as you both know, I'm, I'm uh, a having doing rolfing therapy right now and part of that is breathing and learning to breathe and and then in the yoga that i've taken um it's all about your breathing and being there and present and um i'm realizing that when you're present then you notice the world or what's going on around you and you don't just walk past things or you just don't move past things you tend to be you're with them and the other day, Sian Swan, who, who's been working with me, she said, now breathe into your stomach. And, <laughs> and I thought, I am. And she said, <laughs> and it was just like, no, feel your breath. Go all the way down into your stomach. Which and, stomach? Yeah, and Not then my go stomach. down into your legs. And, go on. and I thought, okay, this is going to take some work to actually be so present that you can actually feel yourself breathing into your body. But it's pretty amazing. I pr I'm now practicing that every day. And she has actually uh, coached me to say, if you can't stretch for an hour at a time in the morning, take a five-minute break and do one stretch. 
take a five-minute break and do another stretch. Either way, you're going to get the benefit from it. And either way, it might make it easier for you to get everything done in that day. So. Of course. And dropping that stress brings us right back to our topic today. The holidays are upon us. And even throughout the entire year, heal yourself naturally is kind of a reoccurring theme here with an organic conversation. And our topic today is cold and flu care, because many of us have already had a little encounter with that, Mark and I included. Cold and flu care, heal yourself naturally our topic in this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Bouquet. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Thanks, Sita, for your holistic bite. And um, we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. And I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Bouquet. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. It's cold and flu season, and so this hour is dedicated to cold and flu care. Heal yourself naturally. And we have a fantastic guest with us. The editor-in-chief from Mother Earth Living, Jessica Kellner, who is joining us today from Topeka, Kansas. Mark, have you been into Topeka, Kansas ever? No, I've been to Kansas, but I haven't been to Topeka. Let's see if she's on. Jessica, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hello. Hi. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the show. How timely. It's perfect. Thank you for making the time for us in this hour because Mark had already a little encounter with um, a little bit of flu, and so did I a week later, in just oh, yeah? a couple of weeks back. Um, you know, I usually run hot uh, as, a, as a being, and in this case, I was under nine layers of blankets and was still shivering and feeling oh, extremely cold. So I got over it, but um, with some natural remedies that I may share later. But we want to hear from you, of course, in this season, um, what could be more appropriate than giving our listeners some easy tips around cold and flu care, both prophylactically as well as when you when it comes on, what you right. what you can do. So thanks for joining us today. Again, Jessica Kellner, Editor-in-Chief of Mother Earth Living. So, yes. so, so Jessica, you know, there's a lot out there, depending on what you read. I happen to get Prevention Magazine. I happen to get lots of things. That, that being in, I, my daughters grew up, you know, taking natural herbs and remedies and things like that. But, you know, every day in the paper, there's something that comes up and says, these natural remedies don't work. You know, you should use these over-the-counter things because they're proven and tested and all that stuff. So why would somebody in this kind of confusing world of, of <laughs> cold confusing. and flu. I mean, it's a huge business, cold and flu, is why would somebody choose a natural remedy or an herbal remedy over maybe something that you just go to the store and buy off aisle three? Right. Well, I think there's a couple of main reasons. Um, number one is that the cold and flu remedies that you're going to get over the counter, a lot of them actually do have side effects or potentially very dangerous side effects. And it, I don't think it's something that people generally think of. They seem very harmless, so you can just go pick them up. But um, just an example, over-the-counter antihistamines can make people drowsy. Um, it can also make mucus secretions thicker, which can be dangerous for people who have asthma, for example. It can make you jittery. It can interact with other drugs, um, dangerous for people with heart conditions. So if you look into the over-the-counter remedies, you'll find a lot of them are like this. They can interact with other drugs. They can have other negative effects. Um, and so that's one thing to sort of keep in mind. Mm, yeah. um, the second is that I think these over-the-counter re remedies, a lot of what they do is mask your symptoms. So and you may feel that you're getting better. You may feel that you have more energy. 
you actually don't. And what you're doing is taking away your body's natural ability to help you get well by, say, resting, which is what you need to do, not taking an over-the-counter medicine that hides those symptoms. Yeah, which is such a good point, Jessica. The the symptom versus cause approach of this country to actually more than just cold and flu energy, whatever, whatever the topic may be. It seems like in terms of cold and flu, we would take, we would take a medication that would stop your nose running instead of addressing your immune system because your nose running is the body's response to wanting to shed or flush out a virus. It's a, it's a mucus response exactly. that is critical for the healing. And yet we take things, you know, that, that stop uh, making us cough, even though there's something in our respiratory system that wants to come out and the body knows that. And the, what the body does is to cough. And we then take whatever brand cough drops, which are basically sugar coating for your, literally sugar coating for your, for your respiratory system, to to you to to help you um, stop coughing, so they might help you sleep better because you're not coughing, but you're actually locking in what the body wants to shed. Isn't that exactly yes, the, the challenge? What you exactly say by masking? Right. Um, the same thing with sort of nasal decongestants. They say that if you take nasal decongestants for more than three days in a row, you can get what they call a rebound effect, and you end up more congested than you were at the beginning. So it's not actually helping you get well. It's suppressing those symptoms, which is your body trying to make you get well on its own. Um, the same for fever. You know, fever reduction used to be something that doctors recommended. Oh, yeah. Doctors Classic. now know that fever is actually helping your body to fight infection and do not recommend that you try to suppress a fever unless it's extremely high and you're talking about maybe an infant or someone very elderly. Um, but for the average person, doctors do not recommend attempting to suppress a fever with over-the-counter medicine. Right. <laughs> so speaking of these these herbal natural remedies, what area of the body do they address? Well, of course, it depends on what ailment you have and what you're trying to heal. Um, you can take, if you, I have a lot of herbal remedies that you can take if you're trying to deal with congestion, if you're trying to deal with muscle aches. Um, the first step really, and this is kind of a, I don't know, silly answer, but is to take care of yourself all the time with things like proper diet, proper nutrition, keeping yourself well rested. Um, in the winter, I think our bodies naturally need more sleep than they need during the summer. We're kind of designed that way from a evolutionary perspective. And a lot of times we don't let ourselves have that extra sleep that we need at this time of year. And that can be something that can get us run down when we're running on a lot of stress. So those basic lifestyle things are the first step, I think, in addressing your overall immune functioning. Yeah, it's funny. And, and a friend told me literally three weeks ago um, that this is the time now with the new moon and it's, you know, we're heading into the longer nights and this is the time to get more rest. And I didn't. And then literally mm -hmm. six days later, <laughs> I felt like something was coming on. But I think following up on Sita's question, um, and just as a break, we are speaking with Jessica Kellner, Editor-in-Chief of Mother Earth Living. That's MotherEarthLiving.com, um, who's joining us today from Topeka, Kansas, in this hour of cold and flu care. Heal yourself naturally here on in Organic Conversation. Um, what Sita was describing is so you, you've done what you could and you got as much rest and yet you feel something is coming on and it's not coming out yet. It has not shown mm -hmm. itself yet. You mm -hmm. just feel, you know, you feel down. You maybe have a little bit of a tickle in your throat. You just know something yep. is coming on. What would be the first immediate um, response that you would recommend? Well, I think um, another really important factor is that you experiment with some of the natural remedies to see what really works for you. Great. For me, my favorite natural immune booster, if I feel something coming on, is to turn to medicinal mushrooms. If you guys have ever tried those, um, there's reishi, cordyceps, several medicinal mushrooms, and you can usually find them in a nice blend. Um, there's one that I really like that's called Mushroom Defense. And I have found for me that if something is coming on and I start super dosing with those medicinal mushrooms, it will almost always kick it out. Um, other people swear by echinacea. I'm sure that you have heard a lot about the sort of back and forth on echinacea that has been going on for years with researchers. Some studies say it's incredibly effective. Some studies say it's not effective at all. Um, the thing to know about echinacea is that you cannot be taking 
one dose of echinacea and think that that, that is going to help. It is called superdosing, and when you feel something coming on, you are taking many milligrams. Um, I don't want to tell you a specific amount because it depends on the product you're using, but you're generally taking anywhere from two to four supplements every couple of hours for like the first 48 hours. And then for three follow-up days after you have felt symptoms starting to wane, you still continue taking a higher dose at generally something like every six hours for the next three days to help kick it out. So I think some of the misconception with echinacea is people think, oh, I took echinacea for a couple of days and nothing happened. Well, you're not taking nearly enough of it to see a response. Um, another really great one that you can take when you feel something coming on is rhodiola. And it's a, sub, a supplement that really helps if you have stress as a strig, uh, trigger for sickness. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, oh, I wasn't getting enough sleep. I was really stressed out. I was working on some crazy projects for work. And then at the end of it, I got sick. Rhodiola is a really good one because it helps us, our bodies manage stress in a healthier way and in its adaptogen that strengthens our body's immune function at the same time. And those, when, when you say those mushrooms, for example, or echinacea, they, they work as a broadband antibacterium or they just directly mm -hmm. boost your immune system or all of it? Or how, can you quickly um, uh, tell us how those would approach the body? What do they do? Um, those, yeah. those two specifically, mushrooms and echinacea, what, why are they so helpful? Um, I'm pretty sure echinacea is just an overall immune booster, um, and then mushrooms have incredible amounts of, I guess, again, immune boosting. A lot of the energy, people say that a lot of the really healing constituents of mushrooms come because they are breaking down a lot of other plants at that very basic level, and so they have a lot of plant energy in them, and they basically provide a major boost to your entire immune system. Great. We're speaking with Jessica Kellner, Editor-in-Chief of Mother Earth Living, MotherEarthLiving.com, for more information uh, on our cold and flu care Heal Yourself Naturally episode this week. This is an Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Bonkehi. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Jessica, stay with us. We'll be right back after a quick break. Stay tuned. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. NextSpace brings together a professional, collaborative workspace with a warm, supportive community. It's a place where you can do your very best work. And now, NextSpace is introducing NextKids, a workspace that also provides great on-site child play care. Hi, I'm Diana Rothschild, founder and chief mom of NextKids. We believe that you can be a better parent and produce better work when you seamlessly integrate work and life. We're better together. Join this conversation at nextkids.us. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Bukehi. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Our topic today are cold and flu care. Heal yourself naturally. In this hour, we're speaking with Jessica Kellner, editor-in-chief of Mother Earth Living. That's MotherEarthLiving.com, giving us the best tips on how to deal with this season and really throughout the year when you feel like something is coming on. Um, so, Jessica, you were talking about mushrooms and you were talking about, you know, uh, echinacea, which is obviously uh, an herbal tincture often or, or a tablet or a, a capsule. But what about foods? Mm -hmm. I mean, I often hear, as a matter of fact, this morning I was just reading that someone says that they do tomato and garlic juice whenever they feel mm -hmm. a cold coming on. And, I, you know, I, like I said, I get prevention magazines. There's always all these little tidbits in there. And I thought well, I could do that. I'd love that. And she says that she swears by it. But where does some of this stuff start coming into where you can actually use food as your source of building your immune system or, in fact, fighting a virus or, in fact, helping you get rid of something or lessen the duration? Yeah. Garlic, as you mentioned, is definitely one of the best. It is incredibly strong antiviral. 
um, incredibly strong antibacterial. It has been used to treat cold and flus when there are um, antibiotic resistant strains in hospitals, and it's actually been shown to be incredibly effective doing that. Wow. And so that is a top incredibly effective option. Um, some other good options, vitamin A is crucial to our immune system. And I always, regardless of what the medicine is, am an advocate of people eating it rather than taking it as a supplement. Our bodies use foods much more effectively than they use supplements. And pretty much every expert that I've ever come across says that it's just going to be a much better idea and your body's going to be able to use and understand what is coming into it more easily if we do use food. So that's a great way to start um, going about this. Another one, um, yeah, vitamin A, and this is an excellent example. You cannot actually take supplements of vitamin A or you shouldn't because it can lead to hypervitaminosis, which is an over, basically an overdose of vitamin A in our systems and it can make us very sick. On the other hand, we can eat foods that are rich in beta carotene, and then our body can store that and convert it to vitamin A as it needs it for the immune system. So some foods, um, conveniently, that are high in this um, beta carotene are foods that are in season right now, things that are orange and red in color, um, thinking sweet potatoes, yams, um, beets, various kinds of yes, gourds. Yeah. So those are all really good for boosting our immune system at this time of year. Well, I love your point about our food. Our bodies make better use of foods rather than supplements, and I am always a big fan of that. And things like garlic, which you alluded to earlier, as being such a fantastic ingredient to not only boost your immune system but also fight whatever's coming on. I know you have great recipes for things like garlic soup, for example. Yeah. I was going to say, I think I sent you guys that garlic soup remedy and recipe. I don't know if you put them up on your website for people to go get, but this is a, yes, a really will. simple garlic soup. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and other things, too, like if you make your own tinctures, which may fall a little bit more on the supplement side of things, but I love to take ginger, which I know is another thing that you recommend being so so wonderful at cold and flu season, and lemon. You can cook and with create, both, too. Right? Of course, you can cook with them. You can also use them to make teas, which is something I know you recommend as well, Jessica. Yes, that's another really excellent way. Um, in a little bit, when we're talking about actual remedies, once you are struck with the cold and flu, I was going to mention steam. And steam is one of the greatest things for a cold and flu. And I think it's one of the reasons that we just have always grown up thinking hot soups, hot tea, in addition to the vitamins that are coming in from those and the protein and all of that, we're getting that steam effect coming into our nasal passages and it helps actually clear the bronchial passages. And so drinking a hot cup of ginger tea, you're getting the benefits of the ginger, but you're also getting that warming effect. You're clearing up the phlegm in your lungs with the hot liquid. Um, and so tea is absolutely a great way. And I have a really nice recipe for a, um, an herbal tea that's great for immune function as well. And so, Jessica, a couple things here is one, it's hard for me not to say this because basically you're saying that basically produce is probably, you know, fruits and vegetables are probably our best healers. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, but also is, can you, do you have some actual um, information like what does ginger do when you're putting it in a tea? What does lemon do? What, you know, so, onions, right? You mentioned yeah, onions uh, before uh, the show, Mark. I, I know onions are super health booster, right? Yeah. So I was just wondering, are there, are there certain things? Cause you know, our listeners are listening in, we may be piquing their curiosity, but what, what is ginger doing for you when you're putting into some tea? What is the lemon doing when you're adding those together? Or even often you hear that add honey to that, right? What are those mm -hmm. things doing? So mm -hmm. I mean, we're saying, to do, we're saying that it's a good thing to do, but what do they actually do? Yeah. Well, like lemon, lemon, for example, let's say one of a really common folk remedy for a cold or flu is to take hot water, mix it with lemon, mix in some honey and drink it, very much something your grandma would give you. Um, so the lemon is going to be antibacterial, it's going to be antiviral, and so it goes in and it's actually killing those things that are causing the sickness. I also have um, a, like a lemon throat spray that you might spray into your throat. You're basically directly affecting those that bacteria and the viruses by trying to kill them with lemon. Honey, on the other hand, is it's a mucilaginous substance. So what it does is coat the throat and it protects it from new viruses and it also just makes us feel better. So it's sort of the two prong of 
making me feel better while at the same time fighting the virus, fighting the cold, whatever. Um, ginger is a muscle relaxant. And so it's really good um, to use oh. ginger when you have those achy muscles that you get with the flu. Shave some ginger into a little muslin tea bag and put it in the bath with the hot water. And then you're going to get the muscle relaxing effects on your body. That's going to make you feel a lot better. And then you have that steam and all that affecting your bronchial passageways. That's brilliant. I've never heard yeah, that one. That Putting ginger in your bath. I love that. Wonderful. Um, Jessica Kellner, Editor-in-Chief, Mother Earth Living, that's MotherEarthLiving.com, joining us today from Topeka, Kansas, in our episode about cold and flu care, Heal Yourself Naturally. Jessica, we're almost out of time, but I do want to come back to the very first thing you said, which is you, you address kind of biochemical individuality. Uh, we know the properties of lemons now. We know, uh, we just learned from you what ginger does and the different uses. Um, while those foods have certain properties, they do work differently on different people. How can people, is there any quick and easy tip other than getting sick and seeing what helped you? What is the best <laughs> way of finding really which supplement or which food works best for you, for your, for your individual body? Well, unfortunately, I do think the number one way to find out is through <laughs> trial and error. And so that's, I, I mean, that. take whatever <laughs> herbal remedy. Um, a couple others that are really great that I didn't mention earlier are astragalus, and andrographis. They're a little more unusual. Um, we have tons of information about this on our website. There really are a lot of herbal remedies you can try. And so I do recommend that people try different ones. Um, one note that I would add to that is the utmost importance to get high quality herbs. Um, if you get something, sadly, there's a lot of contamination in herbal supplements. Uh, there's been a lot of studies where they've tested herbal supplements and found that they didn't contain what they said they contained or they didn't contain the proper amount, as it said on the label. And so that is my number one most important tip that I would offer to anyone. Research the companies before you buy herbal supplements. Find out where they're growing their herbs, how they're growing their herbs, how they're sourcing them, and make sure that it's someone you really, really trust. Um, there are many companies. We featured a story in our magazine, Top 5 Supplement Companies You Can Trust. Oh, great. Um, there's a, a lot of research out there kind of helping you identify who these responsible herb companies are. Start there. Make sure that you're getting what you believe that you're getting. Wonderful. And then I would say, it, um, yeah, try, try it and see what works best for you. I've had good success with, like I said, mushrooms work really well with me. Um, other things that people claim work wonderful for them. I don't see an effect, you know. Yeah, and if you if you cut that if you cut that whole ginger root into your bathtub, you know exactly the ingredients. One organic ginger exactly. root. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, more information on MotherEarthLiving.com. Thank you, Jessica. Jessica Kellner, mother editor in chief, mother in chief, editor in chief <laughs> of Mother Earth Living. Thanks for joining us today. Pleasure to have you. Thank really you great. so much. Thank Thanks, you. Jessica. Very fun. Yeah, cold and flu care. Heal yourself naturally. Interesting. I thought I knew most it? of it. That was it. Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jessica. Thanks so much. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And um, we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. It's the game, and so is work. And just like any game, sometimes your team is in a slump. Maybe it's a new team. Maybe there's conflict. Maybe you're under pressure to keep up with your own success. Whatever it is, it is time to get your game face on. The ultimate game of work combines game design with executive coaching to create high-engagement workplaces. Boost your team's creativity and performance by designing the game you want to play and win together with the ultimate game of work. Enticed? Learn more at ultimategameofwork.com. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. 
And I'm Helge Helbert. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. <laughs> Great interview. She had so much information and enthusiasm. Cold and flu care. Yeah. And Mother Earth Living is such a great resource, too. We had um, we had Cheryl Long from Mother Earth News on earlier this year when we talked about how to put your garden to bed. This is another one of those sustainable publications from Ogden Publications. Mm-hmm. And I really love this as a resource for healthy living. Mother Earth Living is a great, great magazine. MotherEarthLiving.com. And of course, as always in every episode, it's always produce. We come, it doesn't even matter what the topic is, cold and flu care or... Saving the world. That's right. You know, making that's right. you feel better, yes. you know, getting no. your face the you know, more beautiful. Healthy fruits and vegetables. I've been trying always. to tell you this, this for years. I know. You have to next week. <laughs> and it's time again. Here's Mark Mulcahy and What's in Season. So whether you're at a hoedown... Or whether you're uh, trying to, you know, help with your cold and flu, produce always is your a good place to start. And so we are starting with um, what's in season. Back, and we're getting back to Earl Herrick, who joins us every week. Earl Herrick is the voice of the San Francisco produce market, and from Earl's Organic Produce in San Francisco. And today we're going to talk about something I grew up with. Helga's showing a grapefruit right now. I grew up with grapefruit. You got a grapefruit. Your mom cut it in half. She, she cut little sections out of it, and she sprinkled sugar on it. And that's what grapefruit was to me when I grew up, right? I mean, I didn't eat a lot of them, but that's if it was, if it was grapefruit, it was going to be. But really, now we're coming into grapefruit time, and there are different grapefruits from different areas of the country. And now's the time to kind of get a little update on grapefruit because we're just heading into the season now. And so that's why Earl, of course, is going to be on here with his wealth of wisdom to join us to talk about grapefruit. Earl, are you there? Hey, hey how you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. Hi, Earl. Welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, Earl. Hi, Tita. Hello, Helga. Hi. Yes. It's this, a good citrus uh, year. Seasons keep on turning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, we're, and we're starting with the grapefruit season. So... I mean, it's funny to say starting because with grapefruit, it's almost year-round with Mexico and California. But when you take a look at the United States, the big two producers are Florida and Texas. And they do have superior quality grapefruit uh, due to the, I think, the higher humidity. Um, so, the Californ- so that all is starting now. Florida and Texas are just starting production in California. The production is also starting, and it starts in the desert. And the desert grapefruit is characterized by a little thicker rind, um, paler color, interior and exterior. And with the thicker rind, you're going to get a lighter feel to the grapefruit. It's not going to be as juicy. But this is the very beginning. And as every day goes by, every week goes by, they get sweeter and sweeter. Uh, the thin, the, as they transfer from the desert, they'll go to the coast. And that's when you get the better, thinner skin grapefruit that we're a little more familiar with them and we're, we prefer, if you will. And so, Earl, you know, you walk in the store, you go see, if you're a grapefruit eater, you go grab grapefruit, right? Yeah. But here in California, when I, I remember when, when I was a produce guy, is we used to get <laughs> uh, grapefruit from Texas. We never got it from yeah. Florida. It never came this far from Florida, but we always got it from Texas. As a matter of fact, we looked forward to Texas grapefruit. But you yeah. were just saying that we don't get Texas grapefruit here. Yeah, that's, we haven't got an organic grapefruit in California from Texas for maybe four years from now, since. It's been four years. And that is because restrictions get tighter and tighter, tighter for fruit entering Texas. And uh, what gets scrutinized the most, what gets scrutinized is for host fruit. In other words, fruits that can be host to predators and different diseases. And grapefruit out of Texas, they... Uh, uh, inspect the fruit before it leaves the state, and if they find any bug at all, in other words, they'll go through um, bins and bins, and if they find one insect, one pest, they will not pack and ship to California uh, because mm. they, it will get rejected at the uh, at the border. And as that goes on, uh, they're less they're less uh, in there's less incentive to ship to California because the uh, the possibility of something get missed in Texas but gets caught in California sure. 
is real, and so they're not going to ship. They can ship to every place else in the country but California. Right, right. And that's because California is the agricultural community that we have here. Is they don't want to take exactly. any chances of those pests coming in. So that, that, that explains why they're not here. So what you, you look, what you will sh- see uh, conventionally grown uh, Texas and Florida grapefruit, yes. Yeah, because they have the pesticides to combat combat those pests. So that's right. So if you really want a Texas grapefruit, you're not going to find it organic. It would have to be oh, conventional. Um, no, but you know what you could do? You could drive up to Portland or Eugene and probably find it up there. Because they allow it to be imported because they don't grow grapefruit up there. And then smug- commercial right. basis. smuggle it into California. Don't be he's recommending not, people not, smuggle he's, things. He's not saying that. <laughs> no. He's just saying well, go enjoy it in yeah, our friendly northern there. neighbor. Yeah, eat it there. Yeah, Or <laughs> go to it. Texas. I'll go to Austin and enjoy some nice Texas yeah, grapefruit. Fly back. So, Earl, just we've only got another minute here. Yeah. Could you just let us know what kind of season we're looking at? Does it look like, once again, we you know yeah. that the, the citrus is going to be good? It's good-sized fruit, good pricing, mm-hmm. that type of thing? Yeah, again, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great season as, as this fall continues to be uh, low rainfall. It's going to be a good year. It's got a good set. We're going to see smaller fruit, so I think we're going to see some uh, promotional uh, opportunities. When I say smaller, I'm talking about 48 count. Um, many people like the big 40s and 32s, and that's the number of pieces of fruit that fits into a carton. So look for promotional pricing on smaller fruit. It should be a great year. So so there you go. So if you love grapefruit, the real season is just starting now, and it's only going to continue to get better. Good pricing. It's not going to be huge fruit, but it'll be really good flavor. Thank you again for the tip, Earl. That was this week's edition of uh, What's in Season, right? (laughs) Yeah. Thank (laughs) you, Earl. Thanks, Earl. (laughs) Talk to you next week. Thank you. Yes. See you then. Mark, quickly, how do you pick a perfect grapefruit? You take it from the tree. Oh, you uh, heavy for its size, but you want a really consistent color. And and just like we were that we've talked about citrus before, you want to make sure that there's a bright. See the, it, the you want to have a bright shiny color to it. As it starts to dull, it means that it's aged, that it's starting to get old. Now this, uh, of course, this time of year, you're not you're going to see less and less of that because it's all fresh. But you want it heavy for its size, a nice bright color. Um, there can be a teeny bit of green on there. It just means that, you know, when they picked it. But you'll notice the, for those who would be w- looking at the TalkStream network right now, they can see that it's actually got an orange blush, mm-hmm. I mean, a red blush to it. It's beautiful. Yeah. And that's about a 48 count. So a 48 count is if you put your hands together and make a circle, that's about the size of a 48 count. And that's going to be the, the sizes that Earl was talking about. Heavy for its size, good, bright color. Good scent to it. And there'll be a smell to it. It's not going to be sweet like an orange, but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a definite, a nice, fresh citrus smell. Nice. Thank you. Wow, so helpful. I Terrific. can't wait. It's one of those things that, you know, some people are, yeah, grapefruit, whatever. It's a little too sour usually. They are such sweet f- pieces of fruit if you hit the right one. They have that real soury citrus grapefruit taste to them, but they can be incredibly sweet. Oh, and, and uh, Sita could do a whole holistic bite on the benefits of yeah. grapefruit. And I the mean, colors, right? We're talking from bright red to um, more the yeah, orange more pinkish. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Great piece of fruit. It's grapefruit season, guys. Hooray. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Thank well, you, Mark. before we wrap for the day, <clears throat> Helga, do you have an organic moment for us? Yes, and um, I do. And uh, coming coming from the whole health this week's episode, Cold and Flu Care, Heal Yourself Naturally. Right, here's Helga's organic moment. <laughs> it's my view of the world, of what inspired me, the good work that is being done, or what I observed in my life or in somebody else's life. And I want to talk about some muscle issues that I had, um, talking about you know biochemical individuality. I love to run, and um, I, I got into some cramping that was unusual for me after a few miles of running, very pinpointed in my calves. And so I saw a bunch of doctors. I saw a sport therapist. Um, he told me uh, I'm out of alignment. I need alignment training. Um, being in my 40s now, you know, that's that I had done some things for 20 years the incorrect way slightly, but enough to cause some irritation now. I saw a general doctor and uh, he told me, yeah, we need a blood panel, which then showed I'm low on iron. And that means no oxygen uh, or not enough oxygen went to my muscles to heal. So I got some iron supplements there. Another doctor, a holistic practitioner, said I, it might be stress-related to nervous system. So some yoga, massage might be really good. And then I spoke to a fitness trainer and she said, well, 
I'm, I'm training too one-sided. I need to include swimming and maybe some weights and do some cross-training. And I realized after a few weeks that I could ask as many doctors as I want to. I would get a different approach and recommendation uh, to address my health concerns. And the funny thing is all of them would be right. So I know this is the time of, of um, expertise and um, you know, general medical doctors get up to eight hours of nutrition training in four years and nutritionists get zero hours in regular Western medicine. Um, and while it's so important to have, uh, you know, experts that are really in-depth, knowledgeable about heart surgery and, and what else is, is out there in medicine, and this is not just true for medicine, we also need the universalists or we need a universalist approach where we see the blueprint of life for any challenge that we face, be it physical health or the energy crisis, where we come out of our expertise of that silo that we have studied in such depth and apply um, you know, the, the interconnectedness of life to all challenges. So um, I don't know what that would look like if that means the heart surgeon needs to go to a holistic nutrition class once a year or the nutritionist needs to have some hours in, in Western medicine. But let's figure it out. Um, let's figure out what that could look like maybe next year, understanding the whole blueprint of life for all of our challenges. Um, I think that is the next uh, goal for our society. And that's my organic moment. Thank you, Helga. It brings up a lot of interesting questions because you're right. It seems like you could look at this from a different perspective and see challenges, but you could look at this from a perspective and see a whole wealth that we can get from it. So I, I wish we had more time to banter about it because it really brings up a lot of conversation points for me, but I appreciate you sharing your thoughts on it today. Yeah. I I'm going through a similar thing right now, and you're right. Everybody has an opinion, and everybody the answers are all there, and they're and they're not wrong, and the and some of them are more right for you. But the reality is, you listen, you take it in, and then you make and then you make your choices, which you feel or you think is best for you, based on the wisdom that other people are giving you. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think the timing of it too, right? Because you'll hear different approaches and you have to decide which one is right for you now. What can you manage mm -hmm. right now? Mm -hmm. Because you can evolve into these other practices and get a more complete picture of health over time. But mm -hmm. yeah, lots sure. that we could unpack yeah, there. Yeah, we do it in energy too, right? We talk about the energy crisis and we, we don't acknowledge that agriculture, for example, uses one third of all fossil fuels, right? Um, pesticides uh, made of oil uh, or gas, um, fertilizers are made out of oil, the energy that it takes to ship produce or products from A to B. So there's, you know, the, the entire conversation about energy must include agriculture. The entire conversation about health must include all aspects of health. Even if you just get heart surgery, um, you know, somebody might give you ice cream the next day in the hospital as, as the food, which might be the worst thing you could eat. So it's no longer enough to be an expert in your field. I think we have to integrate. Sure. Either become cross-trained or work together as mm -hmm. a whole profile. Absolutely. That would be That's interdisciplinary. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in this week. That was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. With a silver half a crown Had the full out fishing rod And the tackle on our backs We just stood there getting wet With our backs against the fence And it's strong me to my soul Stormy just like jelly rolls And it's strong me Yeah, it's strong me to my soul